Welcome back. Episode three of A Conversation with a Black Man and a White Cop. Today, Jamil and I are going to be talking about police culture, as well as what are the steps we're supposed to take next? Here we go. Man, let's welcome everybody in. I am I'm really excited to to be back today. Um, it has been actually two, I think, extremely poignant um, and and interesting conversations that um, that were before this one, and we're getting a ton of feedback, which is really exciting. And so I'm back on to have more conversations. You know, I feel like in some aspects things are calming down as you look at the national front. But I think that you know some of these conversations, some of these, um, um, some of these these worries are still on the minds of people, sure. and I think having you know two people really discuss it out in public is really helpful for people just to kind of get their own feelings and momentum and understand. We've been talking a lot about empathy, um, which I know Jeremy is really great at. So I'll introduce myself for all of the the folks that are jumping on maybe for the first time. And my name is Jamil Frazier. I'm uh, here in Southern California. I'm uh, an intense lover of people. Um, I am I'm a husband. Um, I'm an author. I've written a couple books. Um, I am an entrepreneur. I lead a relatively large organization. And, um, and Jeremy and I started talking a few weeks ago now, maybe about four weeks ago. And it was just a private conversation that now we have taken public um, in light of all of the um, <clears throat> things that are going on around our world. So, Jeremy, maybe introduce yourself for all these folks that don't know. For you. sure. My name is Jeremy Nix. I am also from Southern California and um, I am a dad to high school kids and the husband to I refer to her as one hot wife. And I'm also happen to be a cop. And so um, as well as an entrepreneur, as well as uh, a business leader and, um, and all those things. And um, I, I am in massively, um, I just have a desire to grow. And I think that a lot of where this started was just having that desire to really grow both um, in what I understand and also in empathy um, as I grow and as I learn what I didn't know. And, and so I think that's where this all started between Jamil and I, and, and I, I'm loving it. I'm learning something every week. I get off of these calls and I go back and I re listen and I go, Oh, Oh, I missed. Oh, that was good. And so that's what I would encourage you guys to do. If you're just jumping on with us for the first time, or even if you've been on before, go back and re listen and, and, and mm -hmm. listen for what you didn't hear the first time. That, that's something I've been doing. It's been really helpful. So you want to just jump in though? Yeah, we, we could definitely jump in. I, I, I think one of the things that's really been helping me is, um, is just going back, you know, all of the different viewpoints. I think Jeremy has really been helping me and to go back and really get crystal, crystal clear on, you know, my belief systems, um, where I stand with really important matters, um, even the way that am I open to even seeing things a different way. Yes. And, um, you know, asking myself those types of questions, um, when I see things or hear things, 
do I immediately go to maybe my own historical viewpoint or my own biases or am I even open to having a discussion and seeing it a different way? So it's really, it's been like challenging me um, to its core. And so I wanna appreciate everyone for being so interactive. Um, we have the link that's up to um, where you can post your own questions. And these are questions that Jeremy and I will run through. Um, all of you guys have been so interactive, even on the comments as this videos have been shared all over the place. And, you know, many people are asking questions and I, and I really do think that it's doing some good. So yeah, man, let's jump into right. it. I mean, um, you know, I'm clearly, you know, a black man and, and you're a white cop and I'm, I'm nervous. Let's go. <laughs> You know, what's funny is that we're actually laughing now. The The first week we did this, we were like, okay, here we uh, go. Here we go. So now we're getting a little bit too comfortable and we're probably going to screw this thing up, but let's do this. All right. Um, so here's a question that came out. Uh, I'll, I'll start, I guess I'll start with me. What is the culture like in the police academy? So what is culture like inside of a police academy? Because I think, I think it's a great question. And the reason I think it's such a good question is that I mean, it all starts at like everything starts at birth. Right. And the police academy is like the birth of a cop. It's where it all begins. It's um, obviously you have ideas before you get there, but but you begin your training and, and that culture starts to set in. And so if, if you've never watched, there is, used to be a great show, a great reality show back in the day of the um, police academy that's in um, Los Angeles County's police academy. But um never watch it police academies tend to be what are called stress academies so the very first the first two weeks minimum but some of them literally depending on where you are what part of the country you're in it could literally be the entire time you're in the academy there that you're under massive stress and one of the reasons for that is this it's a sanitized environment so you are not going to get hurt i mean you can get hurt in some of the training you can like i've had I, I know a guy who he he broke his arm in the middle of the academy and so he had to wait it out and go back through another academy so you can get injured but for the most part it's sanitized if somebody were to point a gun at you it's going to be a blue gun in our academy it's not it's not even a, it's a it's a fake gun so it's sanitized so in order to put you in an environment that what do you do if they they increase stress that comes through yelling at you that comes through um you constantly having to do some kind of physical activity when you screw up and then also not knowing that you screwed up and like you don't know what you're supposed to do until you've done it wrong. You learn a lot through failure in the police academy. So what starts to happen right away is use you, you as a as a unit um, as the as the as cadets, the culture becomes very much like supportive of one another because you're you know that if my partner screws up, if he does it wrong, I'm running too. Like I'm going to, we had a thing called the Stairmaster in our, uh, in our academy. It was probably, I forget how many steps it was, but it was out of control. It was a set of stairs that led from the lower academy to the upper academy. And if your partner messed up, you were never allowed to run the Stairmaster alone. That was a rule. You never run the Stairmaster alone. And so I, I knew that if my partner showed up and there was something wrong with his, his gig line, which is the line that your shirt runs down. If you're in military, you know what a gig line is. Um, it's how everything lines up perfectly. If there's something wrong with his gig line, I knew that I would be running because I should have fixed that. I should have seen that and I should have fixed that. 
And so there is definitely a bonding like that takes place at the culture is definitely like the, the cadets bond very quickly. And the cadets get very angry with each other as well, because if I keep having to run the Stairmaster because you keep making the same mistake over and over again, you and I are going to, we're going to, we're going to have words. We're going to have to fix that. So there's, there's, there's a lot of that. And I will say most cops, most cops are, are type A personalities. So there's a whole lot of people that want to lead and you'll, you'll hear, you'll hear, um, you'll hear training officers say, are we going to do it? Are we going to be on your, you're going to be on your program today. We hear that a lot. You're going to be on your pro. Oh, so we're doing this, your program today, instead of following with the program. So there definitely is this culture of, of this, this growth of like, I'm in this with the team. I'm in this together. I am like my partner and I are in this together and um, you bond a lot. I mean, there are guys that I went to the academy with that actually work in different police departments in my area because it's a regional academy. So multiple departments come to the same academy for training and you bond a lot. And you, I, if I, there's a guy, I saw him, um, we were both going to one location at one point and we had been in the academy together and we saw each other, hadn't seen each other for years. And it was like, we had just, we had just left. So there's definitely, um, this culture of, of family that is developed. It's one of the things I actually love about being a cop. I love being with family. I was just recently sent back. I, I've shared this, but I was recently sent back to the streets. And matter of fact, I see one of my partners is watching right now and um, on the Facebook live. And I went back and I was reminded, like going back and working at the station that I used to work at, how, how much of the family unit it really is. There really is a, a culture of family. So those things to me are positives. Now I would love to know Jamil, when you hear all that, what do you think? <clears throat> um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm a community guy. I, I, I love being around community. I love, um, being around people who inspire, um, uplift, motivate. Um, I love uh, the feeling of family. Um, those are all things that I'm a huge advocate for. Um, now, when it comes to policing, and I've expressed this maybe in uh, episode one, that's one of the things that, that um, makes me nervous as well um because i fundamentally believe that um as you in institutions or places to where you can have a large amount of power um, oftentimes that power can be abused and um and when that power is abused in any organization um, and you have that bond, you have that tightness, you have that family unit, um, it can be harder to speak out against it. It can be harder to right the wrongs. It can be harder to ask another person in your family or expect that another person in your family will do the right things and come out about it. You know, it's um, and and it's interesting. I actually write about this in uh, one of the chapters in, in one of my books, um, but I talk about it and just as a human trait. You see it the same thing within gangs, 
Um, you see it within uh, police units. You see it within our military. Military speaks about this a lot. Um, you see it within churches. And I know you being a former pastor, you'll see that in congregations as well. Um, and I also saw it in my own family to where there was um, a lot of abuse, uh, sexual abuse. And it's hard to speak out about it against uncle or daddy or someone like that because of this human need uh, to be part of something. So when we talk about an institution um, like this, um, on one hand, I love it. On the other hand, it makes me really yeah. nervous. Yeah. I completely can see that. And, and like you said, it, I think that there is, you run that risk in anything. You, you absolutely run that risk in any organization. Like you said, anything that if, we've, we, if there is this, if we are family, then at the end of the day, I got to protect family at all costs if I'm not careful. Um, right. And, and I think that anyone who says that hasn't happened in law enforcement is ignorant and or lying. And so that has definitely happened. Um, I also think that the... We said this before, that culture has a massive impact, um, not necessarily just system, but culture, the, the smaller system within the system, has a massive impact on on what is expected of the family. So, so I think- It's true, it's true. Like, I think even expand on that, and that's one of the things that we've been doing, and quite honestly, I've been having a lot of fun with, because every episode, I feel like we, we aren't just talking, but we are figuring out tools to make a system better. And so we've talked about, well, how do you, because it seems like the culture and much of even what you've been saying, Jeremy, is, look, I, don't, I can't speak to that. All I can speak about is my culture. And it seems like you come from a unit that has beautiful culture. Um, from the moment you guys step foot into that precinct or to that into those doors, it seems like there's a certain level of consciousness or awareness or just expectation that I think most of us would find uh, to be virtuous, to be honest and morally correct, upstanding. Um, I'm not sure that we see that across the board. So one of the questions is, how do we infuse that sort of culture into every single um, unit, but this isn't just my question for policing. It's for everything. How do we how do we infuse um, an abundance mindset sort of culture within within all segments of society? But I think as we're speaking about this, you know, we're really talking about in policing. And I actually think from these conversations, um, we're starting to at least come up with a diagram or some ideas as to how that can happen because I think with the culture that you come from, if we can infuse it across, you know, state lines, um, it'd be much, much more helpful. That's kind of what I want to figure out too is, is how do we increase the relationship between all citizens, um, but I'm specifically thinking about uh, black and brown citizens when it comes with um, um, police, the, the views of police and policing um, and uh, excess force. Um, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, I do know what you mean. And I, I would say, well, I don't have a perfect answer, but that's where I would say they're definitely within 
where I came from, they do, they've done some things right within the culture that I'm in. Now, again, it will never be perfect. And I know there's people that were in my academy that have done things that were wrong and they may or may not have been um, found out. They may not have been, been spoken up. I can't, I, I can only, that even, I can only speak to me. But, but I do think, because I remember going through my academy and hearing um, things from the leaders that were there at the time that were very much like even down to the littlest things like telling a guy you're not going to cost me my million dollars over my lifetime of whatever I earn so don't don't put me in a situation to where like the whole like keeping it silent because we got that thin blue line that was that was like that was mm-hmm. not re- the, that thin blue line is like yeah I'm going to make sure my partner goes home at the end of the day because I'm going to be the one who keeps him safe we call it contact and cover I'm going to be there and make sure he stays safe no matter what or she stays safe no matter what but I'm also not going to, I'm not going to risk my future for their stupidity. I'm not going to risk my future for their ignorance. Even in, even as it relates to our training, one of the trainings that you, there's a, there's a, we go through learning domains, right? So there, um, there's 26, I think it was learning domains that you go, no, it's probably even more than that, but it's been a while. I'm getting older. I've lost my hair, but we go through a whole lot of learning domains and the, um, at each learning domain, at the end of your academy, you go through an entire week of scenario testing where you don't know which test you're going to get at which time, but you go through and it's it's virtually pass or fail. And one of your domains that you go through, we go through a lot of learning domains, but one of them is, is, is on integrity because the biggest, I mean, even down to like honesty, the way you the, being honest, like they will tell you all the time. Um, I just sat with a last weekend. I sat with a, a person who worked in internal affairs and he said, let me tell you guys my greatest advice to you. Let me tell you my greatest advice to you. If you get called in because you are either witness to or suspected of doing something wrong, here's the number one advice I'm going to give to you. Never lie. If you lie, you're done. You can, if you are done, no matter what, even if you, if you committed the smallest policy infraction and you lie, you're done. And we're talking about like, we have, there's lots of policy. There's lots of policies. I'm not just talking about uses of force. I'm talking about like just anything. He's like, you are done. Never lie. And that is something that's ingrained in you from the, if you, if you lie, you die because you are no good. You can't, if you're a liar, you can't be on a stand. Like they, they, day one, if you, if you're a liar, you can't be on a stand. And they put that integrity check throughout the entire academy, at least at my academy, the entire academy, they're putting that through. Right. Right. And then, so at the end you even do, um, an integrity scenario and they change it up all the time. Um, but the, the one that I had to go through was actually an integrity scenario between me and another cop. Now, again, sanitized environment. Go ahead. Another question: um, Who who actually polices the police? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So I'm not in internal affairs. I just happen to know a little bit about internal affairs. Okay, so couple things that should that that I learned when I became a cop. And number one, every single complaint, every single complaint gets investigated. Every single one. I had a complaint and I was terrified because I got a complaint on me and I was maybe six months on the streets 
and I got a complaint and I'm like, and I, I got this notice that I had been complained about from our internal affairs and they gave me like this, it was like four page um, document of detailing out the complaint, detailing, detailing out their investigation of it. And I, and I didn't even understand the wording of it. So I, I went to my sergeant, like, what in the world is this? And without going into too much detail, the complaint was that I, there was, this person made a complaint that he was being harassed at the local library by, by aliens. And I didn't take his complaint serious enough when he, when he, when he addressed the issue with me, I was not willing to look at his evidence. I am not here to make fun of anybody. I remember the, the, the individual and it was a, he had a mental health issue. I did my best to get him mental health. At the end of the day, he still made it. He, he lodged a formal complaint against me, not because of how I treated him, but because I refused to, to um, do a criminal report for him. That got investigated. Everything gets investigated. And it starts at your, at your station level. So it goes to your, it goes to your, at least, at least my understanding, it starts at your station level. It goes to your, your command, and then it goes up from there. Okay. So what, what up like from up there, the chain what, of command, I would that? say. So there's, there's sergeants, there's lieutenants, there's captains. And then there's also an entire department called internal affairs in our work, where, where right. I work and I'm being. I still want to be very careful of that because I, I don't I don't speak for all law enforcement. Where I work, our our department doesn't um, the Internal Affairs Division. They are a fact finding. They are fact finding only. So they don't right. they don't choose consequence. They don't choose who does the the next level command between between you and so like for me if I'm a if if I'm um, an off a police so officer basically like the the great grandfather of yeah so it's definitely not going to be well i wouldn't say it like that um because the (laughs) the reason i wouldn't say it like that is um the farther up the chain the less connected you are to the people so i would say in the the chief of police doesn't know my name and I am a number that works within the system. I, I like, I go where the needs of my department are. I, he doesn't, he doesn't know my name. She doesn't know my name. So, so I wouldn't say great grandfather cause my great grandfather would know my name. So it's a little less connected than that, but it's always removed. The, the decision maker is always one generation removed from you. So if you are a police officer and again, everyone's policies are different. So if you're a, in my world, if you're a police officer and then you've got your sergeant and then you've got your lieutenant, your lieutenant would be the one who made the decision on your consequence if the facts were that you had violated policy or law as it relates to your job right. within the department. You divide, if you violated law, that's going to court. Okay. So internal right. affairs deals with policy first and obviously law, but policy first. And, um, so, so that's, um, so that's why I'm sorry. I saw a comment. I was, I was like, should I respond to that? We'll wait. So, um, I I think me, it just, it would, it would see, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, okay, so how do we, how do we make better? better? And, um, and I obviously think that there's many things that we can do from an individual standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, um, 
um, outside of policing, um, just from just from um, 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 the citizen standpoint. And that's where I've really built my career is working one on one with people. Um, but I'm just looking at it at, at, every time I talk to you, I find out a little bit more. And just from even hearing this, I'm like, this doesn't really make sense to me. Because if these things are gone off, I, I could even see me being a little bit more lenient on things if I'm the chief of police, knowing how maybe difficult it is to be a police officer. You know, so I could see me being a little bit more uh, biased um, in situations to where it might make sense for a grievance to be um, um, to be looked at a little bit more serious. To you, does it does it would it seem to be a better option to have a third party um, um, uh, maybe make those decisions other than the chief of police? And we do have third parties that review as well. So we do have um, the citizens review board, which they also they also they have in ours they have subpoena power. So they can subpoena records, they can subpoena people, they can subpoena witnesses. Um, they have they have all, all of that as well. Now, I, again, policies like the book at the DMV. So I don't have, I have not memorized every area of, of how it all works. I've had very minimal interaction with internal affairs. So, so I don't want to speak out of turn. What I will say In my experience, what I will say is policy is extremely strict. And they, they teach you in the academy, policy is stricter than law. Oftentimes it is. So policy is very strict. I got into a, I've gotten into a car accident. You drive 12 and a half hour days, you're going to get into a car accident at some point. I did no damage to anything that was going to be, um, nothing, no one was going to fix the damage I did. That's the best way to say it. I had damage, but no dam, no, no one's going to fix it. Matter of fact, had I not reported it, no one would have known it came from a car accident. But I turned myself in, if you will. And because it was my fault, I was backing up. So I, I hit something. And by the way, I didn't hit any individual. I didn't hit any private property. I, I, I hit something. And... My consequence was, was in my opinion, extremely strict. So my consequence was, it was, it was put in my, it was put in my, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was put in my uh, personal file that I had violated a policy, which is safety while backing. It was, I was, I was docked career assessment points, meaning that my promotability was damaged for for three years, I believe it is. And it was a lot of points. Um, and it was damaged for three years. That's on a small, um, minor scrape. So in, I don't, I personally, again, in my culture, I don't believe that if the chief of police was looking at my thing, he or she is not going to go, oh, I get how it is. That's just, you know, that's hard mm. because they answered, they answer to higher ups than them. 
they answer they answer to um well most of them are elected or appointed so they answer to to those mm -hmm. in in political power they they have to they have to make an answer for theirs we have to put out every we put out every um there's a website you can go to they put out all of the use of um use um the internal affairs complaints and investigations you can read on every single one that comes out that's a major issue that you can read on all of them so they have to they have to be they're accountable to those things so i find mm -hmm. in my opinion within my culture you are not it is not lenient because again i'm not going to risk my future for your stupidity or for your failure to follow simple policies so right. that's my experience what are, what are your thoughts on uh and i know um your personal belief is not to say you know this individual's name but when you look at the george floyd situation yeah. and mr floyd's um death which you know really was the catalyst it, it threw fire on um i think a lot of people's fears and um and and what they have felt for a long time so when you look at the officer who had something like i don't even know the number maybe it was tw I, 10 to i heard 12 i heard 12. yeah yeah i think it was right in that range so how does from your from your vantage point from your knowledge how does i don't know how it all works um how does it work for you to be able to have that many amount of issues over the years and still be able to be out there interacting with the public? Yeah. So I, I can see it from, from two points. Now I look at that and I go, what in the world? Why is, why is this guy with all these complaints, with all these issues for my first immediate thought is number one, why is he still on the street? Number two, why does he have, now I may be misunderstanding this, but why does he have two brand new officers working right alongside him? Is he overseeing them? If he's training them, why is he training them? That, that's my first, that was my first instinct. When I read about the, the, the amount of complaints he had, it was, it was ridiculous. And I don't know why. I have no idea why in the world I guess it's the Minneapolis Police Department, why they allowed him to remain. So even, even if he's, even if he's not um, violating rules, regulations, there's something going on that he has way more complaints than somebody else. And I would, if I were a supervisor, I'm not a supervisor, I would ask the question, is there a better place for this person to work that's outside of the realm of what he's doing right now? So maybe they're not sustained complaints because I will say the other side of that coin is having complaints doesn't make you, I had a complaint too. It was not a, so if you were to look at my record and they go, but see, he already had a complaint. Well, yeah, but it was not a sustained complaint. So having complaints, people don't like what we do. People don't like what we do. I have, I've, I've had people, you know, I'll, People cuss me out for giving them a ticket. So there are people that complain that it's not, if you're in this business long enough, and this is, this is something you're trained in your academy. If you're in this business long enough, you're going to get sued. You're going to get complained about. 
It's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, then when. So having the complaints in itself, in my opinion, doesn't constitute that he should not be working. Now, having 12 complaints and depending, and from what I, I don't remember enough to say what I think they were right now, because I don't want to do that, but having the types of complaints that I feel like I remember reading about, sustained or unsustained, I wonder, why are you still leaving this person out there? He is a, he is a, he is a magnet for complaints because of the way he's behaving, the way he is talking to people. There is something I share with you that I know of a person who had to get rephased and extend their face simply because they weren't able to communicate well. And it was, it causes so much more friction that needs to be. That's how I would treat it. So I was, I was extremely upset that, well, why is he even out there? If this is all true, why is he even out there? Even if he shouldn't be fired, he could work a desk. Yeah. 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 I found it to be curious, but I also, I don't know, you know, what, what sort of the standards or the proper procedures are, or again, uh, you, you sort of explained to us last week and educated us on, you know, every, every area is different. Training is different based off of where you are geographically, where you are in terms of the state, the population you work with and all those things. So to have something that's clear cut across the board probably isn't functional, nor does it really work um, because LA might be completely different than Ford City, Pennsylvania or something. Um, I, I do have I do have this question though, because I think as soon as we see something like that, or Jeremy, I see you as, you know, white man, and I, I see a video of you, um, you know, assaulting a black or brown person, um, um, you know, right away, um, I may feel, and maybe that feeling is, is, is exacerbated by uh, media coverage, um, what's your thought about it going straight to, um, you know, racism and race and and the media's coverage of, you know, um, white officers and black and brown people? It's going for the jugular. Um, my my view of the media coverage, I I do believe it is. I believe it's disproportionate. Because statistically, we have uses of force, including shootings, that happen throughout the year. And we don't see, we don't see or hear often. And I'm not making the argument. I want, I want it to be really clear. I'm not making the argument that like that, the statistical argument that cops, Hey, we kill just as many black people as we or as we kill white people. Like ever, I'm not making, I'm not making that argument. Okay. I just want to make it really clear. What I am making the argument for is you don't see it when there's a shooting between as often when you, when there's a shooting between a, a white cop and a, and a white man. You know, I, I don't see it. Maybe I should watch the news more. I don't see it. So I do believe it's disproportionately represented, therefore making it feel even bigger than it may be. I, that's, that's my feeling. Um, 
but is that the is that the question you're asking? I want to make sure I'm asking answering the question you're asking. Um. Yeah, that's the question. I guess if that's your feeling, why do you think that is? Why do I think it happens that way or why do I think that's my feeling? <laughs> why do you think it happens that way? The same reason I think we don't televise cops getting hurt. Because cops get hurt every day. Cops get killed every day. And we don't televise that because that doesn't, that doesn't get clicks. I heard something on the news um, today that um, advertising is down 35% this month. And it was already down 35% last month. And whether we, I don't care if it's Fox or it's CNN, everybody's got to get paid. And so the only way for you to get paid in media, whether you're, like I said, whether you're, Fox, CNN, or you're the Friends show or Seinfeld, they're all getting paid because advertisers. And if you don't have a huge, if the people aren't watching, then you're not selling. So, so a cop getting killed, unless it's a major, major thing, a cop getting killed isn't going to make advertising dollars. People aren't going to click that as much. Just like a cop killing or shooting or using force on a, on a white guy, it's not going to, it doesn't stir up the outrage. Therefore it doesn't create the clicks. That's my, that's what I believe is media has to sell media. Like I said, I, conservative, liberal, all everything in between, they have to, they've got to get clicks on their stuff or they're not going to get advertising dollars. Which is why I try to listen to both mm-hmm. of them because I feel like at some point I'll find them something in the middle. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I do too. What do you think would happen? Um, what do you think would happen if the coverage was mm, more spread equally? I think that could be applied to everything. So I think if if coverage was equal across the board, I think we would all have a a better understanding of of what's actually going on in any in any given situation. I think if, if news if news did what news does, which is so I, I took journalism classes because I'm a I'm a marketing and communications major in college, so I took journalism classes and they teach you in journalism like 101, the inverted pyramid. So you start with the headline, then you work down to the details that if it gets cut at any moment from the newspaper, at least they got the most important stuff at the top. And you report news, you don't commentate on news. So this happened, this happened, this happened. And I believe what is happening in news is we're commentating. This happened because of this. We're leading with headlines that are more, that will that'll hook you in which, I mean, a headline is supposed to get your attention, but it will hook you in and create a, an idea in your mind of what you're about to read before you even actually get all the facts. And you may not even get to the bottom before you, until you've, you have to get all the way to the bottom to really see what the facts are. And so, so I believe if it was balanced, what real balance would be is report the facts, remove your opinion. And, and just report the news. But that doesn't sell, but that doesn't mm-hmm. sell either. 
I think we all, I think we mm-hmm. like the, there's, we like that stir something up in us. And so we like, Ooh, what is it? Ooh, what's this? I mean, I do it. I click on all kinds of things. I'm like, Oh, what are they going to say about this? Oh, th- there, there they go again on both sides. I say it Oh, there they go again. Oh, there he goes again. And I get sucked into it. So I, I read a thing about in, in marketing. I read a thing that one of the things you have to be, if you really want to be an attractive character and attractive doesn't mean like pretty, it means like people check out what you have to say. You need to have a polarizing viewpoint, polarizing. The most attractive people are polarizing. Mm-hmm. Howard Stern is a great example of a polarizing viewpoint. You may hate him, but you're going to tune in to hear what he had to say. I mean, look at our highest level of there you leadership go. in the country. There you go. Yeah. Everybody's waiting what the next tweet's going to be. Polarizing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the more polarizing media can be, the more it can cause us to choose a side. And it polarizes us towards one another. So, so it's hard to say like, if, so my thing is if we actually balanced out the news, we might have a balanced, better balanced opinion. I hope that it's really heard though. I'm not making the argument. I actually think there is problem in policing. There is a problem in our system. Sure. I 100% agree with that. But you asked me about how media portrays it. I think media polarizes us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I and I mean I think it's I think it's um <laughs> I was curious to see how you're gonna answer that. Uh because that could be a really, really touchy, touchy uh I know. Look, you just took the jacket off like it's about to get real. No, I I think that uh I I, I think that I agree with you in in many many aspects you know I, one of the things and I was and I was saying this at the end of episode 2 that these conversations and I want to thank you as forcing me to do is just to go do you know more research and and to educate myself um because um I have been um historically um you know I might see something and I've jumped to my conclusions based off of hysterical or historical facts, um, especially when it comes to uh, black people in America. Um, and so, you know, that, that, that drives a lot of emotion within me and I'll see something and right away, what I know to be true is now come to the surface again. And this is just, uh, it's another example of how this is, um, how this is a big time problem. Uh, for me and 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 my history and my community, and what this is has forced me to do actually uh, um, actually my my vocation has been training me for about eight years now. But these conversations have really sort of uh, exacerbated the process too of me taking a step back and 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 almost from an observer standpoint, saying okay, well, well, what is what's what's the truth what's your truth and and can you get more information than just watching what is showing up on your facebook or instagram timeline or what fox puts out or cnn or msnbc 
Um, can you go and dive in and actually be, can you be open enough to even want to change? And I thought it was, that's one of the things that I was asking you too. And I'm actually interested in, even if the news was more balanced, because I agree with you, um, there is a disproportionate um, um, narrative that is being sold um, always, always, and whether we know it or not is happening. And um, and one of the things that I know just from human psychology is I'm curious, even if it was more proportionate, even if the news did show, you know, more white cops um, killing white people, which again, speak to a system to where there's probably too much force and probably too much brutality. And I think one of the things you and I want to figure out is how do we, how do we help that part of the system whether it's white people, black people, brown people, whatever people, how do we have a better relationship between um, law enforcement and citizens? Um, um, but for me, I'm curious that even if it was, the coverage was more uh, proportionate, I wonder if because of such scarring that's occurred for hundreds of years within certain communities, black communities for sure, I wonder if I'd even be open to seeing that. I wonder if, if even if I did see, uh, um, you know, coverage of, you know, a white officer killing a white person, I wonder if I would even see it to the same degree as I would otherwise. Um, because of maybe my lack of, um, they call it scotomas. You know, when you have such a belief system in something, like for example, my wife, my big belief was that uh, she was lazy and used me and, and like didn't do the dishes. So even when she did do the dishes and she wasn't lazy or clearly wasn't using me by the way this was me years ago i've since changed a lot uh, which is why i wrote you know the 12 shifts uh, but i wanted to give all of these examples of how i used to believe things were true and even when um, life presented me with evidence that they were not true i still saw them to be true um, because of historical patterns so i'd be curious to see if if even the covers did change, Jeremy, would that then in fact change the viewpoint um, that right away, um, you know, cops are racist? Yeah, I, coming back to even um, politics, since we talked about leadership, they say that no matter no matter how it's portrayed, and, I, and this is going to sound hopeless, but no matter how it's portrayed, you're going to have people that will are never Trumpers and people that are forever Trumpers, right? So no matter what you, what no matter what is now said in media, no one's going to change their mind because they're looking at it through their own lens, right? Yes. And and I would say that there's there's some truth in that here. I think this weekend we, um, I am just like on this massive like I want to learn everything I can, and so I, this weekend we <laughs> sat down and. Um, Sundays is our Sabbath. And so we, we take the day and we just, we just be, we just rest and we be, and we decided it was going to be a, a movie marathon day. And so, um, we started with the movie Selma and, and watching that. And I, I had watched it before, but I'm watching it with new eyes and then, and then going and going, okay, it's still a movie. So I want to read. And so, sorry. 
everyone gets mad at me like, dad, you're on your phone. But I'm like, no, I'm, I'm re I'm looking up stuff here now. Cause I want to see how much of this was, what is this? What is that? Not trying to prove anything, but trying to understand something and really like getting, and, yeah, and, there it is. and, right. and so I say that to go like, the only reason um, I'm doing that is because I want to grow and learn not to prove a point, not to choose a side, but to grow and learn. And I think as I was yes. watching that, I looked over at my wife at one point and I said, like, this is going to take generations to fix. This was not, this was in the sixties. This is going to take generations to fix like almost hopeless. Like what can I do? How I'm like, who am I to think that I can do anything? Um, but I don't, I don't think that balancing out the news alone is what's going to fix this because we already have those scotomas, that schema, that the way we look through everything or I, or I see everything. And so someone asked me, I think someone asked like, can you guys give, can you guys give some, Cheryl said, throw out some and suggest how to make relations better between the police and, and, and black and brown residents. Like, I think, I think she's actually saying it maybe to the people in comments, um, but to us, like, and that is my thing. Like, how do we, how do we, I think this is probably not just you and me, but this is happening everywhere. I think this is a step. I think this is a step because it didn't, it didn't happen before. It ha it ha I don't think it's happened to this extent before where we're actually going, okay, but hold on. I want to understand you. You want to understand me. Let's understand each other. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's talk. If you want to be a part of the conversation, go to negotiatingforlife.com right now. Give us your question. Give us your topic. And hey, subscribe to the podcast because there's more where this came from. <laughs>